0: This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I'm the Public Relations and Advertising Manager in the Journals Division. Several years ago, at an Association for Theater in Higher Education conference, Gwendolyn Alker invited members of a group then known as the Latina Latino Focus Group to contribute to a special issue of Theater Topics. Now the editor of the journal, Alker said this invitation started the process for something that had never been done before. Theater Topics had never focused an issue on concerns relevant to Latinx theater makers and their wider communities. The resulting issue was published earlier this spring. Alker joined us to talk about how it came about and why this is important to the field. Thank you for joining me today, Gwendolyn. Uh, This special issue came out of a 2014 meeting at the Atha Conference. How gratifying is it to finally see this in print?
1: Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks so much for inviting Theater Topics to be the subject of another podcast. We really appreciate um, John Hopkins' support of our journal, and yes, it was indeed exciting to finally see this special issue come to fruition. As an editor, we really only get two, maybe three, special issues during our tenure. So this was my second and, and final special issue as lead editor. And it's something I've been thinking about for a really, really long time, perhaps even before 2014. And it was something that I felt really, really committed to, and I was just super excited that It came together at a time when this work seemed super important in light of the political situation in our country and the need to include more diverse uh, voices in publications such as theater topics.
0: The title of the issue you talk about in the introduction, It Changed to Better Reflect Language, used both in the theater community and the actual group, which drove the development of the topic. How important is it to be sensitive and very nimble when talking about these kinds of changes?
1: Yeah, that's a, a really great point. And I will say that we change, as it says in the introduction, we changed the title of the special issue from uh, special issue on Latina Latino performance, which is used with uh, a slash between the O and the A, and then Latinx performance when we finally decided to go to press. And it was a really a, a last minute change, mainly because I editorial team and really the authors and members of the community, such as the peer reviewers and the various people who are having input on this special issue. Um, I feel that right now it is important and also challenging to stay abreast of all of the changes in the various uh, language designations or different designations of words. To have a little history on this, I feel that the Latina-Latino with a slash has been the go-to term that most people use within Latinx studies over the last 10 years, and that was an effort to be inclusive of different genders, right? Both men and women, and acknowledging that some of the romance languages have a male bias in the use of the Latino or the O at the end as a unifying descriptor. So using Latinx, I think, is a fairly recent term, to try to include people whose gender identities don't conform to either male or female. And I think it is a continuation of how language evolves as we try to think about how to be inclusive for all communities. So for me, the Latinx term was something I was thinking about, and I just didn't know whether it was going to be useful or or seem appropriate. But the thing that really pushed this over the edge or sealed the deal, as it were, was that the Latino focus group in 2014, when I originally brought this to them, they had just voted on a name change at the 2016 AFSA conference, after being the sponsoring organization of theater topics. So in 2016, when they voted to change their name to the Get This Latinx, Indigenous, and the Americas focus group, that's a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> but really it's called LEA. <laughs> A little bit easier, so I just go with Leah, but it stands for Latinx, Indigenous, in the Americas focus group. I felt that they had made a clarion call that we need to pay attention to our language from that moment forward. And since this happened summer of 2016 and the issue was published in March of 2017, I felt that it it was more respectful of that community that had in many ways birthed the idea for the special issue to acknowledge their name change.
0: Right. That is kind of nice how it worked timing-wise like that. It's, it seems perfect, you know, serendipitous <laughs> almost.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I feel like the push for them to change their name was actually more because they were trying to figure out how to include scholars working on indigenous issues. Um, into their focus group. Because one thing that's interesting about ASSA is that there was no kind of organic place for scholarship on indigenous theater to fit. And many people had been pushing the then Latina-Latino focus group to include concepts and discussions of indigenous scholarship. So that was what happened in the push, but then in the ensuing conversation, which I was present for, they said, well, while we're at it, people are now using this t- new term Latinx to be gender inclusive, so why don't we add that in? And that's kind of what happened.
0: That's good. Latinx writers and performers have uh, had many successes in the past few years. You you outlined a few of them in the uh, introduction, but the success of I- Hamilton obviously puts the Latinx theater community front and center for everybody how can something that popular trickle down to to smaller, uh, smaller theater groups, to people starting out in the community? How can that kind of lift them up?
1: I do always think it's entertaining that when people hear about Hamilton, they think, wow, it's the first, you know, <laughs> Latinx <laughs> musical on Broadway, which isn't totally true. Um,
0: it's, not his his first, about, it's not even his yeah, first. <laughs> it's not even
1: his first. True, true, um, because we had In the Heights as a previous show, which was very well-received, and we actually have a really great article about In the Heights in the special issue by Brian Herrera. Chiara Alegria-Judez, who is also one of his collaborators, her work has also been seen in many places, Broadway and off-Broadway theaters, but I think what's funny about Hamilton is that people assume that it was kind of the first rap musical. And even that, I actually have some students, it must have been 15 years ago now, who created a rap musical when they were students at NYU that was a redoing of Shakespeare, which is a, a canonical historical text, mm-hmm. putting it to rap verse. And they had a very successful off-Broadway off run. And I remember when Hamilton came out, I was like, huh, my students did that 15 years ago, actually. <laughs> And, and, I, and, I, and I remember thinking that successful things on Broadway always require historical primers, which is to say they always require works that are less well-known to kind of level the playing field or create opportunity, especially for Latinx artists, so that more uh, mainstream audiences know how to read and know how to accept them. And I think that's something that goes without saying, but it needs to be said, right, that the mm-hmm. success of Hamilton is built upon other Latinx artists and hip-hop artists who have been doing this work for 20, 30 years, but clearly just didn't get the reputation or the PR reception that Hamilton received.
0: This uh, new issue had already taken advantage of some things on the website that we worked with uh, Theater Topics and, and Theater Journal on. Um, How valuable is it for this space going forward to share even more content and and multimedia content for people to see the whole breadth of what's being worked on in the theater community?
1: So I think, you know, theater is inherently a visual medium, um, and I do hope that our website will allow us to take advantage of, you know, non-textual media, um, such as visual and auditory forms. So that's something we're super excited about. What happened with this particular issue is that I felt three pieces which really are about connecting the development of Latinx theater to the specific community of HowlRound, Latina, Latino Theater Commons was super important. So the Latina, Latino Theater Commons is an organization that's been really creating great work over the last, I don't know, say three to five years. And for me, that's part of this larger build of Latinx theater in the United States. So for us to be able to acknowledge that the web has been a really huge resource for Latinx artists was great and we could highlight this by publishing some content in that format on the ltc the latina theater commons and so that's been super excited and and we're actually trying to work with them about some projects going forward so that we can move between you know their website content and our website content which is all available you know uh on the web free to anybody who comes upon it to think about how we can interface with those two uh groups so for me that was why it was a no-brainer for me to say this is the place to debut our website is with our relationship between the Latinx special theater issue and the Latino Theater Comments or LTC, which has been doing this for some time and it's been a huge generative force within that
0: community. Right, That's um, like you said, a perfect marriage between the two. The, 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 yeah. Everything coming together. There's a, there's a lot of serendipity in this issue.
1: <laughs> there is, for sure. And, and I will say, you know, one thing I was thinking about before this interview was how people don't always realize that editing and curation is a lot about timing. And I will say that I'm patting myself on the back on this one because <laughs> I think that I really saw that something was really bubbling forth in, you know, two thousand. 2014, there was this generative burst of scholarship, of theater, of activism, and, and I knew that something good was going to come of it, and I was really excited as an editor that, you know, I had my pulse on the <laughs> Latinx theater community enough to see that, and to know that theater topics would be a really great place to represent that larger national movement.
0: Well, that's great, and we're happy to help you share the word. You're, you're coming to the end of your term as editor, correct?
1: I have one more general issue, which will be coming out this summer, and then I am phasing out. Lisa Brenner will be taking over my position as head editor, and actually one of our authors from the Latinx special issue, Noe Montez, will be taking over as co-editor to become lead editor in two years' time. So that's super excited. We're happy to have Noé on board, and it will clearly continue Theatre Topic's commitment to publishing and advocating for Latinx uh, scholars and artists.
0: Well, thank you for joining us, Gwendolyn. Thank you for all your work on the journal, and congratulations. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing all this information with a a wider audience.
1: And thank you so much, Brian, for highlighting Theatre Topics. We really appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.